0: It or Him? Amen. The person of the Holy Spirit. I uh, put a circle on the top of my nose this morning because that's about the way it feels to me trying to speak about the person of the Holy Spirit. It's like, where do you go in? At what point of a circle would you start to describe the rest of the circle? That's how I feel this morning. It is overwhelmed. So I thought appropriately this morning to introduce this person. I will have you students stand. Stand. And instead of me reading his many names, I'm going to have you read them. We're going to start with the young men. And they're going to give the... They'll say the Spirit, and then the young girls will do the Spirit of God. And you'll do every other one. So you men are the leaders. We are introducing ourselves this morning very reverently... In the fear of God with much trembling, we're very humbled to introduce ourselves afresh this morning to the person of the Holy Spirit. And may you young men begin by naming His first name. and open your Bibles to St. John 16, verse 13. And we're going to read together the 13th verse, St. John 16, verse 13. Howbeit when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. You may be seated. Just bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, we stand with much trembling and weakness and fear of the Lord this morning. largely because we realize how many times we've walked ahead of the person of Your Spirit. We've gone our own way. Lord, forgive us for being our own guide, trying to comfort our own selves with things that really don't work. And then we wonder why we're struggling. Will you be gracious unto us, Father God, this morning, as we view, and as we adore, and as we welcome the person of Your Spirit, well, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit? We welcome you here this day in Jesus' name. Amen. At our table this morning, I asked the question if you could quantify how much of your time in a day or a week, month, would you spend thinking about him it was really interesting how intellectual the conversation turned so quickly like well well what part of that do you mean well well what it was automatically we were just trying to quantify him into all these little categories and shelves and we have Him here for this and here for that. And so what it tells me is that we really do struggle knowing Him, adoring Him, walking with Him as just a person. Otherwise our minds wouldn't quickly go, well, what part of that did you mean? What did you mean this or that? And you, you brothers were very brave. So today that's what we're going to look forward to. What three things does John sixteen thirteen tell us about the Holy Spirit? So I'm going to give you the first part. I'm going to say, number one, the first part of John 16, 13 tells us who he is. It says, How be it, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, that first part of the verse tells us who He is, who He is that has come. The Bible says He is the Spirit of truth. That's who has come. That's who He is. That's who we're going to be talking about this week, is the Spirit of truth, the person of the Holy Spirit. I know it we struggle to get our minds around someone that is a spirit and someone that is a person but we'll try The only thing we know and have ever known and ever will know on this earth is time. We live in what we call a Time world we live in a physical world, a tangible world, and for a few moments this week, we're going to try to to take a trip into a spiritual realm, a place that and a person that transcends time and transcends the physical and transcends the tangible, yet is very integrated in the success and in the fulfillment and the revelation of Jesus Christ in our lives. So, the first thing we are told is who He is. How old is He? Anybody want to guess how old he is by the Word of God? The Bible says in Hebrews 9 and 14, has his age right there. Someone look it up and tell me how old he is. Hebrews 9 and 14. We are going to introduce him. We have some of his names that were suggested this morning. What is his age? His age is eternal. Anybody can define that? Take my place this morning. Probably not in this world we'll be able to define that. But we'll still call it that this morning. The Spirit, who He is, a person in a time world with an eternal age. The second thing that John sixteen thirteen tells us is what He does. What He does. Howbeit when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, here's what He does. He will guide you into all truth. That's what He does. Now it isn't just a few selected players. It's not just a few special privileged people. The Word of God stands open on this pulpit this morning and says, He will guide you. It's not just a specific amount of spiritual... Track that He's willing to go with us on, He will guide you into all truth. Not just some truth, not just a truth, but He will guide you into all truth. That's what He does. This guide has a sword. You know what we call the sword? Spirit sword, what do we call the spirit sword? The Word of God. Hold up your sword this morning. Hold up the spirit sword. Hold the sword up high. This is a sword. This is the word of God. This is what He cuts left and right, through the thick and through the thin. Okay, you can put your swords down. This is the spirit sword. This is His sword. This is what He works with. This is what He cuts with. This is what He divides with. This is what He reveals with. This is what He lives with. This is what I live with. This is my guide. This is where I hear Him speak. This is where He faces and fights the enemy for me. This is His sword. He is my guide. That's what He does. How does He do it? Uh, Number three, I gave you the answer. How He does it. How He does it. Who He is, what He does, and the third part of that verse tells us how He does it. This is just a springboard for some of our remarks this morning. It says, how be it, here's who He is, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come. And here's what He does. He will guide you into all truth. And the third part, how He does it. For He shall not speak of Himself, but whatsoever He shall hear, that shall He speak, and He will show you all things to come. In brief, I get a picture of him being kind of like a translator. If I were speaking to you in another country this morning, if you couldn't understand English this morning, there would be myself, and then here would be a translator standing in front of the microphone, and he would listen to what I say, and then He would deliver to you what He hears me say. In some settings that we have been in, it's been told me that the translator... It's so vital that the translator, we need to pray over the translator before the message begins... Because he's got to hear the message and then he's got to process it and then he needs to be able to put it down into a language that you can understand. So he has a tremendous job this morning. He listens to the message of the Father. Listens to the message of the Son the eternal Father, the eternal Son, He listens to that message and then He translates that message to me and to you and to all who want to be guided by the truth. You know, we are in a very good place this morning. We were told this morning in our devotions that one of our desires of being here this week is to learn to know God better. I can't think of anything, as I told Brother Ryan later, I can't think of anything this morning that He would rather do than to reveal Himself to us. And He does it with this translator. He does it with His Spirit standing with us, in us, before us, among us. And He's taking the message of heaven. He's taking the message of salvation. And He is putting it down to us. Maybe you could illustrate this better like this. If I came in here with a, bucket, a five-gallon bucket of water this morning, and I said, I'm going to clean this building with a five-gallon bucket of water. That'd be kind of hard. But if I took a little pump, maybe you would call it a pressure washer, and I ran that same five gallons of water through a little bitty tiny jet that just puts out a little bitty stream, it might take a minute or two to run that whole bucket through that stream. And so that pressure washer would take the five gallons of water and apply it specifically and it would debone, it would clean, it would reveal, and it would bring maybe a new appearance. And that's what the Holy Spirit He is doing this morning. He's taking the things of God out of the bucket, out of the great volume, out of what we can't even describe, and He's bringing it all the way down to you to clean, to reveal. It's this is a good spot to be this morning in His presence, letting Him work for us. Okay. So we've got who He is, what He does, and how He does it. Now we're going to work off of those three springboards this morning. Number one, He, the Spirit of Truth, tells who He is. He, the Spirit of truth, tells who He is. On the board we have it, or Him. A, He is a person. As the text, as the topic reveals this morning he is a person he has a personality if you have a person the only way that person is a person is as they have a a personality I can explain more about that later so he definitely has a personality He has a mind. You can go all through the Bible. We're back on that circle. It's hard to know where to come in, where to go out. And I begin to wonder why this thing isn't for a month instead of a week. I told my wife there could be weeks and weeks and weeks of messages on this person. So he has a mind. The Bible talks specifically about the mind of the Spirit. And sometimes the Spirit was made happy and sometimes the spirit is grieved and sometimes the Bible talks about what is the mind of the spirit that he has a mind he thinks he is the eternal spirit of God he even knows the he thinks so well you know sometimes we talk about having a a in gathering hymn sometimes to kind of gather our minds together to kinda of, to to get ready for worship, he even knows the thoughts and the intents of my heart, every motive he has a mind has emotions, he has a will he has desires he has he he has a a will for will he has a will for ethan he has a He has a will for each one of us. Sometimes we don't always follow that will. But He has one. That doesn't change Him, how we respond. And the more I begin to think about Him, the more I begin to realize how far... In the back, I have ran from him. Who he is? A person. He is a. I think sometimes we get in this, in this, uh, frame, especially when you hear uh, about maybe Pentecost. You hear about the wishing of that. Sound of a rushing mighty wind, that we get this feeling like he's this huge force. Went through the drive through washing our car the other evening, and this you know, that fan starts at the end and just oh, just seems like it's gonna shake the car apart. We get this feeling like the spirit that he's some kind of a huge force. Well, this morning we think about him as a very loving person someone that oh, turn in your bibles to 2 Corinthians 13 show you how gentle that he can be 2 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 14 when Paul ended that letter to the Corinthians he says the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God And the communion. The communion. Just think about that. That gentleness. That oneness. That fellowship. That intimacy that He wants to have with me. Does that sound like this force? Would you like to sit down and commune with somebody that was just a force? I think sometimes we reduce Him or we exalt Him or we take Him off the scale one way or another and and either way, it, it allows me to be more comfortable with not being so intimate with Him if I can make Him some force way out there. No, he's He wants to commune with us today. So A, He is a person. B, He is a spirit. Now, What about the discussion of is there a difference in the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost? Is there a difference between the Holy Spirit and the Holy Ghost? In the King James Version, I found that the word Holy Ghost is in there 89 times. And the Holy Spirit is, in King James Version, only seven times so most of the time in the Bible when holy is with this person it's with ghost and in King James's day in 1611 that probably might explain some of that the word ghost maybe in our day has has been kind of evolved or articulated as some kind of a something that mysterious something that comes out of a graveyard about a dead person or superstitious but in king james's day the word ghost was used as an immaterial being or a living essence it was referred to as Something that was real, not just an imaginary, as we may think about it today. So he is A, a person, B, a spirit, and C, we're going to put the two together this morning, and we're going to say C, he is a person of the spirit. Okay? Questions. Number one, can you have a person without a body? That seems to be something. So can you have a person without a body? Talking about a person, not it, but Him. So can you have a person without a body? Well, what about this? When Jesus met the woman at the well in John chapter 4, verse 24, what did He say that God was? God is a spirit. Can you have a person without a body? Um, We talk about God the Son. It's pretty evident that He had a body. That's how God revealed Himself to us, was in flesh, in the body of His Son. But now we're talking about God the Spirit can you have a a body can you have a a person without a body and so i began to think ahead a little bit and thought about this okay how many of you this morning would say i want to see your hands if you think you are a person raise your hand if you think you're a person okay every hand up all right now, I'm going to ask you another question. How many of you think that sometime you're going to die or the Lord's going to come? Okay, every hand up. Okay, the first question was, do you think you're a person? Every hand up. Second question, do you think you're going to die? Every hand up. Well, does that mean then when I die that I will no longer be a person? I won't have a body. So can you have a person without a body? I intend to be a person forever, but not in this body. The Bible says that, that this body is just like a tabernacle. This body, Second Corinthians five one says, is like a house, and someday I'm going to leave my house. I'm not going to to be there anymore. Now my address where I live is called 321 Edgemont Loop. And if you drive past the house that I live in, that is not Merle Florey. That is only the house that I live in. You wouldn't go past my house and say, I hope you wouldn't, and say, "Oh, there's Merle. There's Merle and Judy." No, that's just where Merle and Judy live. We're persons We live in that house. We go in the house. We go out of the house. Someday, I'm going to leave that house, but I'm still going to be a person. Someday, I'm going to leave this house. Someday, you're going to leave your house, but you'll still be persons. So, it or Him? Can you have a person without a body? Number two, where do we get the word Trinity? Well, I looked and it's not in the Bible. I couldn't find it in the Bible. The word Trinity. And we hear that word a lot. The Trinity. Or the triune. And then while well, I was reading Deuteronomy 6 and 4, and it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one is one God. And, and this is not to be complicated, but in the... In the pagan world, I'll just say it that way, it's easy to say in those days, not, and I know better, and most of you know better, that's traveled and left the United States. Still the pagan world, right? They had many gods. You told me how many gods was in Nepal had. I can't remember. In the Hindu, religion? in the Hindu religions. Over 200 million. <laughs> 200 million gods in the Hindu religion. That's called polytheistic many gods our God our Father God he told Israel hear O Israel I am one God the Lord your God is one God we call that monotheistic one God not many one he said well then where is this 3 in Oh, three in one oh three in one and it sounds kind of complicated. And I'm going to tell you, all I'm going to do is just probably open up some, some points of discussion and we, you can take it from there. But our one God yet reveals Himself in a plurality. He reveals Himself in unity as a Father. He reveals Himself in unity in flesh as what we call the Son. He reveals Himself when the Son leaves in the form of his spirit to walk with us to comfort us to lead us to guide us that's who he is this morning he is the triune godhead and it's so hard for us to get our mind around it's so simple yet it's so complicated to get our minds around so baby I will make it a little simpler Here this morning. This is just a candle. And we have how many things here, Clayton? Two. Two. What do you see there? The wick and the wax. The wick and the wax. Okay? But it's kind of one unit. So we put the light to it. And now what do you see? The flames. The flame. But you still got the wax, you've got the wick, and now you see the flame. So, if God was like the wax, then the wick is like the sun, and the flame is like the Holy Ghost. And we see the flame. The flame, the light, the light is always there as a beacon, as hope, as a blessing. So, you got the three in one. Just simple. You can do it with ice, you can do it with water, you can do it with you can get a lot of lessons of Trinity out of just physical, normal objects like that. Why is this so important? Why is this whole discussion so important? I would just present one reason why it's important. Because since He is God... We need to worship Him as God. We need to treat Him as God. We need to honor Him as God. We need to... He's not just part God. He's not just sometimes God, but He's all God. Completely God. He's not just sometimes a person or just part of a person, but he's, he's all a person, all the time a person, and all the time God, just like Jesus was. So it's important, the three in one, the perfect unity, that we get that in our mind, that we see Him completely. Well, what difference does it make? The difference it makes is this, that if I do not see Him as God, and I only see Him... Welcome, brother, sister... If I do not see Him as God, then what happens is is I I will not worship Him for who He is and who He deserves to be worshipped. I will not give Him the affection of the affection that He deserves. I will not give Him the blessing. I will not give Him the honor. I rob Him of glory I rob him of affection I rob him of his leadership I rob him of his power I rob him of his ability I rob him of his of his intimacy I rob him of his communion that comes in my life It's very important that we understand that he is God that he is one with God that he is God the Father God the Son and God the Spirit That's why it's very important we either honor Him right or we rob Him of His glory. Okay, so a lot of times He he kind of gets shoved off as this... We talked earlier about this force. Well, He's this force or He's this power. So what difference does it make whether I look at Him as, as power or I look at Him as... A person. We'll say it that way. What difference would it make if I just consider Him as a power or a person? I would just present to you for your consideration. It seems in my life that when I have thought of Him as a power, He was something I could get a hold of to make me look good, to exalt me, to make me something that that maybe I just knew I wasn't, but in my flesh I wanted to be. I'm not presenting this to you as a one-size-fits-all. I'm just revealing to you some of the blackness of my own heart. If I consider Him as only a power, it tends to exalt me when I will consider Him as a person. will humble me. He would walk with me. He would guide me. He would teach me. And He would take the times that I've grieved Him and hurt Him. And He would come along again and pick me up. One way tends to exalt us. One way has the potential to humble us. I'm going to read you a story. You notice on your notes, I want you to listen to the story and maybe we'll have a little discussion. Listen to the story. One day, a missionary came to our village, he proclaimed the message of the Messiah. When the people of our village heard what He had to say and saw the miracles and the clear signs of God's action, we hung on every word. Many who could neither stand nor walk were healed that day. The evil spirits protested loudly as they were sent on their way. What joy spread through our village. Previous to the evangelist's arrival, I had practiced magic arts in our village. In fact, I posed as a very famous man. I dazzled all the people with my witchcraft. I had them all from little children to old men literally eating out of the palm of my hand. They all thought the supernatural power that I had was the great power of God. I had been fooling the people for so long that everyone was more or less in awe of me. But when the evangelists came announcing the news of God's kingdom and proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ, most folks in my village forgot about me. They were baptized. They became believers of Jesus Christ. Even I believed and was baptized. From that moment, I was like the evangelist's shadow. I was so fascinated with all of God's signs and miracles that I would hardly leave His side. When the evangelist's home church received the report that our village had accepted God's message, they sent two more brothers to walk with us. And as soon as they arrived, they began to pray for many to receive the Holy Spirit. Up to this point, all of us new believers had been baptized in the name of the Master Jesus. The Holy Spirit hadn't fallen on us yet. Then the brethren laid their hands on them and they did receive the Holy Spirit. When I saw that the brethren, by merely laying on hands, conferred the Spirit, I wanted this power too. If I could have this power... I could use it in a way people would respect me. Respect me again. If I could hold this power, I feel like I could use it in a way that joy would come back to my life. If I could get a hold of this power, I could do some of the same things that the old witch doctors are doing in my village, even they would be impressed with me. It looked to me like that getting a hold of this power and using it for my advantage could possibly lead others to the new Master. Jesus, I felt almost as if now I could have a servant to work for me and do mighty things for me in the name of this new Master so he could get the glory. Wow, I thought. This would be power I could use. So I pulled out my wallet. I was so excited and I said, sell me your secret. Show me how you do that. How much do you want? Name your price. The brethren said, to hell with your money. And you along with it. It's unthinkable trying to buy the gift of God. You'll never be part of what God is doing by striking bargains and offering bribes. They told me to change my ways and change them now. They said, ask the Master to forgive you for trying to hold the power of God to make money. They told me this is an old sin pattern. I literally reeked with the stench of lust. Oh, I said, brethren, please pray for me. Pray to the Master that nothing like this will ever happen to me. Looking back, I can see that getting a hold of this power to use would have exalted me in my flesh and made me look good in the eyes of the people. I saw this as something that would be good for me in my business. After repentance of my sin, I see the Holy Spirit as a loving, tender, wise, holy person that is passionate about getting a hold of me and using me. Thus, I'm humiliated, I'm emptied, and I'm denying myself so He can live in me. I'm looking forward to knowing Him as an ever-present, loving friend and helper. So about the story what what two views do you see the author is is holding up of the Holy Spirit? what two views it and him, it and him. yeah okay the power, versus the person. power versus person okay good okay and what does what does the power tend to do to the flesh hmm? could exalt the flesh possible if we're living in the flesh. Alright. Great difference. We have to keep moving. First, uh, item 4 says, Tory says, one is pagan and the other is Christian. So, getting a hold of just the power is pagan. Letting the person get a hold of me is Christian. Which view do you think that you have typically operated with or seen Him as? Pagan or Christian? I was in a meeting one night and, and the brother says, how many of you want more of the Holy Spirit? And I can remember one of our more vocal men, uh-huh. And I would, I'm would i not blaming him. I'd probably been right there with him if I'd been brave enough. And he said, well, you've just told me about yourself. He says, it's about the Spirit getting hold of you. It's about the Spirit getting more of you. Six, is the Holy Spirit my servant and errand runner? Or am I His servant and errand runner? You know, we wouldn't say, well, Father, You're my servant. Run my errands. We wouldn't say, Jesus, You're my servant. Run my errands. We wouldn't say, Spirit, You're my servant. Run my errands. No, we want to be the errand runner for the servant. We want to be the servants of the Spirit. Number two, He will guide you into all truth, tells us what He does. He will guide you into all truth, tells us what He does. You go to Genesis 1, we're going to just break into a few categories. We're going to talk about creation. Go back to the beginning of the book. Well, we're going to introduce Him as a person. We'll just find Him in the beginning. Genesis 1 1. Here He is. He is a guide to us in creation. You say, well, remember, as you're listening to this, I'm going to go pretty fast. But when you're listening about creation, Romans 1.20 says that the the invisible things of God, even His eternal power and Godhead, are seen and manifested in the things that be, the creation that's around us. We are without excuse. Genesis one one tells us he will guide you into all truth, tells us what he does. We're going to look at what he has done in creation. It says, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was just land, it was just dust, it was just territory, it was just it was just like our flesh. Alright? And the Bible says, and the earth, that old territory, that dust, that think we might liken to flesh, it says that that it was without form. It was just uh, empty and it was waste and it was kind of like uh, uh, maybe chaos. It says it was void. It was just wasted and ruined. It was dark. It was black. Uh, think about being misery. I've looked these words up and, and words like destruction and death and ignorance and sorrow come out of this darkness. Uh, it says darkness was upon the face, the very presence, the very countenance, Darkness was upon the face of it, of the deep. Oh, it keep it's just such a picture. This is a message in itself. Uh, that it was hidden, it was covered up, and, uh, and then here's the waters. Waters could be dangerous, they could be violent, they could be transitory. And the Bible says that the spirit of God, it says here, that the spirit of God, verse two, moved upon the face of the waters. And that just simply has to do with the breath or the wind. And one word is just it just brooded. It just brooded over, this, over all this mess, over all this confusion. And you could get such a picture of, of, of what He's doing in our hearts and lives, what He did right here. All of a sudden now, the darkness has turned to light. And all of a sudden, the chaos has turned to order. And all of a sudden what looked like boredom on this old mixed up earth has now got all kinds of life and activity and all kinds of vegetation and all kinds of of herbs and everything that's, that's growing and this place is becoming a bursting, dynamic place of life where no life existed before. And all of a sudden this place that didn't even look like God at all has got a man on the face of the earth that was built in the image of God. And that's what the Spirit does. The Spirit, even in creation, did it. He's still doing it in recreation day. We may have time to talk about that later. He's still brooding over all the things that doesn't look like Him and over all the waste places and all over the barren places and over the dry places and over all the dangers and the violent places. He's still brooding to change it, to bring life, to make it look like God, to conform us in the image of Jesus Christ. That's what He does. He does it also in Revelation. Luke 1.35, He reveals to us His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit. going to have to keep moving. He does it. He did it in the womb of Mary. He says, the Holy Ghost is upon you. And He says, you're going to be a child. He's going to bring forth a Savior. He's going to save you from your sins. He does it in the Scriptures. The Bible says in Peter, the holy men of God, spake as they were moved by the what? Holy Ghost. Amen. They were moved by the Holy Ghost. He does it with inspiration. Um, revelation. So we've got creation, we've got revelation, uh, the Holy Spirit, we find Him in inspiration. John fourteen twenty six. We go back there, find Him in the inspiration. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, which the Father will send in My name, He shall teach you all things. He'll bring all things to your remembrance. Hey, that might help on your memory, verses. Oh, but see, there I am again, making making him a power and an it. But he says, he wants to come, and he wants to what does it? He wants to be inspiration to me. He says, i will I will walk with you there." I used to have an old, an old one of our preachers used to say, you know, you can expect the Holy Spirit to bring something to your mind, but he said, don't expect it to bring it to your mind if you're not going to be diligent and lay that Word of God in your heart. It's such a reward when you, brethren, you stand before somebody, witnessing to somebody on the street or someone in the in the shop, and you begin to witness to them and you begin to quote the Word of God to them. You just watch their eyes. I'll tell you when you start quoting the Word of God that the Holy Spirit brings back to your memory. I mean, people are just like wow. That's that's a power there. It's not you. All of a sudden, I've quoted Scripture to people before, and it's like they they change. Their countenance changed. It's not me. It's that Holy Spirit of inspiration coming there, bringing that to me, bringing that to them, communicating it to them. Tremendous inspiration. Okay. You're um, going to have to keep moving. He brings conviction. D. He is there for conviction, the bible says in in um, saint John sixteen and eight and when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin of righteousness and of judgment of sin, because they believe not on me. The Holy Spirit he is here to convict us of sin. he's here to to give us discernment. he's here to to knock when something's not going right. He's here to draw me back, he's here to pull me back to himself, all right. We're going to move on to the third part. It says, "For he shall not speak of himself, but whosoever he shall hear, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come." That tells us how he does it. So we've talked about who he is, we've talked about what he does, and now we're going to look at real quickly how he does it, and you'll have to put a lot of these feet on there yourself. But I'm going to suggest to you that He does this through regeneration. Remember the five-gallon bucket of water? Remember the power washer went from five gallon to down to a little bitty zero-degree tip? He makes the application. Now He's beginning to make the application. He takes who He is. He takes what He does. And He comes to us and He regenerates us. That's how He does all this. He regenerates us. The Bible says He will not speak of Himself. He shows you whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak unto you. And this is what the Spirit is speaking to us. The Spirit is speaking the same thing to us this morning he spoke to Nicodemus outside the city walls of Jerusalem. He says, friends, if we're just flesh, we're just born of the flesh. But the flesh, the Bible says, God told Adam, Adam, in the day you eat that tree, you're going to die. Adam ate of the tree. Well, what happened God had created Adam in His own image. Adam was, First of all, the Bible talks about we are spirit, we are soul, then we're body. We sometimes turn around. We talk about body, soul, spirit. It talks about spirit, soul, and body. Adam was made a spirit. He was made in the image of God. And then God breathed into His... He formed him. And then God breathed into his nostrils. He became a living soul. And so when He sinned, it looked like He didn't die, but inside His spirit died. I'm going to suggest that this morning. You process that. His spirit died. His body kept living. His his will, his mind, his will, and his soul kept functioning, but he died. And now he has no communion with God and fellowship with God. And so we're going to see how he does this. So the spirit now comes to us, as he came with Nicodemus outside the city walls of Jerusalem, through the mouth of the Lord Jesus, and says, "Nicodemus, you need to be born again. You need to have a quickening of your spirit." You've been born of the flesh and you, and now you need to be born of the Spirit. And that's what happens. God is the Spirit. They died. We're separated. Our sins separated us from God. Uh, now we are called to live in the Spirit and to be born again. And that's how He does that. In the new birth, the new birth discussion, uh, the wind bloweth where it listeth; out of it is sound thereof and canst not tell whence it cometh and where it goeth so it's everyone that is born of the Spirit, the Bible says. Remember Peter on the day of Pentecost as he preached that sermon? He says, "Repent." And the, he told them, he says, the thing that's happened today, he says, the thing that's happened today is what has happened. Joel prophesied, he says, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions, your old men shall see dreams. And he goes on and on. I'll do it on my handmaidens, and those days I will pour it out upon the young men and the handmaidens. I'll pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. And then they said, Well, what shall we do? And he said, Well, here's what you need to do. They were pricked in their hearts, and they said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, What shall we do? Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ with the mission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So, the born again thing. And I'll tell you I wish we have a whole time for this discussion of how He does this, how He reveals Himself to us so personally, is in regeneration when He comes and reignites and re sparks our spirits to life. We need to do that. We need to talk about that sometime more. Um, how do we know if we're born again? It's a huge discussion. I get into it all the time, and you do too. And we got we got a man at home. He doesn't even know when he was born, and and he came from Cambodia, and his papers have been destroyed. You know, should I go over there to his place and try to get him down on his face and say, "You've got to know the date on which you were born"? Should I go that far with him, or should I just say, "No, I'm just glad you're alive now"? That's the issue now. You know, and, and I'm not I'm not threatening this whole thing. I'm more concerned about well, what's the manifestation of the fruit of the Spirit in your life now? And I'm not here to say that I'm not here to discount anybody as saying I've got a day and a time and a place moment. God bless you for that. But don't make anybody else sitting beside you, in front of you, behind you think they have got to have the same experience because it doesn't always work that way. What God says is I want to see the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit now being manifested. Okay, in closing. So we can see the Holy Spirit as a theory. We can connect with Him as a power like electricity. We can just take facts that we believe to be true as they relate to one another. We can take belief systems and put them together. We can keep compiling information about Him. And He's just theory. Now, so I think we would have liked to have did that a little bit at the breakfast table this morning. Just, okay, category one, category two, three, four, five, six, seven. Now, now, what would you say? Or we can look at Him as a reality. We can connect with Him as a person. We can get better acquainted with Him as a person. We can start building an eternal relationship. We can get transformation. Or we can say, how about both? How about learning to know the person of the Holy Spirit as information and transformation? We can do both. Information without transformation leads to pride and endless learning to get life. Transformation without information leads to emotionalism and more religiosity and gymnastics to get life. Do I want information? Do I want transformation? I want both. You say, well, what a powerful spirit. The spirit that can be everywhere in all the world. I don't understand it. I'll just present to you this. There's about five oceans in the world. And if you were over in the Pacific Ocean and you took a a dive in the Pacific Ocean, it's the same ocean that's in the Atlantic Ocean, right? Or if you're over in the Antarctic, or if you're over in the Indian Ocean and you take a thimble of water out of the Indian Ocean or you take a tank of water out of the Indian Ocean, it's the same water that's going to be up here by the Puget Sound. It's the same water all over the world. And you can have people all over the world swimming in the same ocean. If someone's swimming over in China, someone's swimming... Over in the coast of of uh, of the east coast or the west coast or wherever they're wherever they're swimming, it's all the same water. That's just one little bitty picture of you get of the Holy Spirit. He's everywhere for everyone, every time. He is here today to be honored. I want you to take the last five minutes. I'm going to take five minutes, and I want you to write something in your life that makes you aware right now of the Holy Spirit's presence. And just get your paper out. It's just for you. It's just between you and God. You just finish the time in the session. You writing out something to God that testifies to Him and to you in your life right now that makes you aware of the Holy Spirit's presence as a person.